You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Episode of I'm a Doctor, not a podcast, Cinema Geekly Star Trek podcast. It's Chief Petty Officer Anthony Lewis, along with the Fleet Admiral himself, Ben Knight. Ben, how are you? He's back Sorry, from the He's back uh, from the Beta Quadrant. <laughs> I am. It's been a, a long road getting from there to here. Um, yeah, uh, but you know, we we had a we had a mission to run, and obviously we got Aurora back, and yep, that's what's important. Then, you know, uh, there were some green people and oh, oh yeah. a weird incident with a, a laser. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, in fact, it's I mean, you know, the green people were lovely, though. <laughs> they yeah. were, weren't they? Yes. So hospitable, yes. I thought. Very yeah. lovely. And, and of course, perfectly as well. Uh, of course, <laughs> Lieutenant Commander Aurora Bubaloo, our science officer, now beardless, unfortunately, yes. Yes. Uh, yes. lost um, it I am, on I'm, the I am, I am trying to grow it back, though. See. It's yes. all coming back together. We're back together <laughs> yes. as a team. Yeah. Aurora decided to keep her mirror universe beard, lost it on the asteroid, but is now making an effort. Uh, making an effort. Uh, to yes. And I don't want to like make them feel uncomfortable, but have you seen over there? Have you seen the two new bridge officers we've got with weird heads like something out of a <laughs> out of naked lunch? That's a bit weird, isn't it? I, I mean, I guess we'll hear more about them later, uh, or we'll just forget <laughs> that they're there. Anyway. <clears throat> I feel like us on this show, we're the Orville crew. Like, we're... <laughs> and hey, and if that's canon, there was an episode of the Orville where Bordis uh, got hair stimulant and was able to grow a really sweet looking mustache. So mm-hmm. if that can happen, yeah. Aurora can regrow her mirror universe yes. goatee. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but we're here to talk about not that, but Star Trek <laughs> Discovery season two, episode three called Point of Light. Uh Ben says that he has uh, some mixed feelings about this, so uh, he's going to wait for me to read through everything, and Aurora and I will talk about it a little bit, and then hopefully mm-hmm. Ben will make up his mind on where he lands on this episode. Yeah. Right. So, let's talk about what happened. Uh, so, Discovery bumps into a, a Vulcan ship, uh, like a shuttle or something, and Michael recognizes it as uh, Sarek's ship. And uh, it's not Sarek, though, on board. It's Amanda, uh, Sarek's wife. Uh, She comes on board Discovery with a stolen, encrypted copy of Spock's medical records from the psychiatric facility that he has voluntarily entered. Uh, When the head of the facility informs Captain Pike that Spock has murdered three people and escaped, Pike orders Commander Burnham to decrypt the files. 
The file's lead, Amanda, to confirm that Spock has drawn the, quote, Red Angel, recently seen by Burnham. Uh, well, and they don't mention it here, but also kind of seen by Pike, because uh, he right. watched it on that uh, the helmet recording thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's seen this since he was a child, though, this Red Angel figure. Burnham then tells her that to protect him from Vulcan's murderous logic extremists, she hurt Spock irreparably and caused their ongoing estrangement. Meanwhile, on Kronos, Klingon Chancellor Lorel introduces Ashvok to the baby uh, that she and Vok had together, uh, sort of in secret, before she turned Vok into Tyler. The leader of the uh, the Klingon House of Kor threatens to kill Ash slash Volk and their son. I'm just going to say Ash from now on. Uh, didn't we determine <laughs> last season that he's essentially Ash now? Yeah. He just has yeah. votes. He's Ash, but I will continue to refer to him as Klingon Fandango. Fandango. Klingon Fandango. <laughs> uh, he, has, <laughs> he has Volk's memories in there, right? Mm-hmm. He's still It's still part of him, but he's mostly mm-hmm. Ash. Uh, right. They kill the traitor and his men with the help of Philippa Giorgio, uh, agent, I guess it's now agent Philippa Giorgio of Section 31. Uh, to consolidate power, Laurel presents the severed heads, quote unquote, of mm-hmm. Ash and the baby, which is disturbing, uh, to the Klingon High Council. Uh, these, of course, weren't real. Uh, Ash and the baby left. Uh, reiterating that she will not allow anyone to distract her from being the mother of all Klingons, which the Council acclaims as her new title. Georgiou has actually spirited Ash uh, and the baby away to a Section 31 starship, safely delivering the baby uh, to a cloistered Klingon monastery, uh, which next-gen fans will remember. It's uh, Borath, correct? That's where Worf found fake Kalos, the clone Kalos. And also a um, albino Klingon, the monk, right? Did was yeah. was one of them actually an albino Klingon monk? Yeah, I, I, okay. the smart money is that this is the same person. Yes, that's what I was thinking. I was trying very hard to remember if such a yeah, thing yeah. existed in that episode. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, uh, sent this. This is just all of this sounds so weird. I'm just going to say it because it's <laughs> it's right here. <laughs> um oh oh uh, by the way she after they drop the baby off at Borath uh she recruits Ash into section 31. Okay mm-hmm. so now for this sentence that I'm going to read to you. A sentient spore from the mirror universe has grown within Ensign Tilly causing her to hallucinate that she's talking to a dead schoolmate. Burnham deduces the cause then Stamets pulls the fungal site uh, parasite uh out of Tilly using dark matter. That whole thing was weird. I, we knew that when we saw the thing land on Tilly's shoulder that obviously they paid attention to that for a reason and it was going to be a thing. What all this has to do with anything, though, who's to say? Uh, Aurora, what did you think of this episode of Discovery? It was meh. <laughs> uh, I, I was a little bit bored. Yeah. Um. I and I, I'm gonna be honest. I was more interested in the Tilly story mm-hmm. yep. than what was happening with the uh, Klingons. Yeah, I don't know why. I think I, I talked about this the last season 
as well. I don't know what happens, everything the Klingons are in this show, in, on like on my screen. I get bored immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was hoping that it was going to be different this season, but I, it happened again. Yeah. I mean, the only time that they, it actually caught my attention, and this might sound very morbid of me, but when they showed the two heads yeah. and one of them was the baby, I was like, oh, my God, they went there. Oh, they sure did. I, I was like, wow, okay, you, you you have my attention again. And then when they showed that it was fake, I was like, oh, okay, well. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I knew it was fake as soon as she lifted up Ash's head. I'm like, well, he's not dead. <laughs> But wouldn't it be like really interesting if it actually was like true? Well, I mean, I it would have been more interesting for sure. It would have been more like shocking, you know. And I, I, I at for a moment, I really thought it was going to be the actual story, and that's why I was like, "Wow, okay, they took it like to the next level with the Klingons." Okay, the Klingon uh, side of things needs to be spiced up in some way. They, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I don't like that she wants them to call her mother. <laughs> That's all I just weird it. to me. All that I just felt, it. yeah, it all just feels weird. Uh, I didn't. I'm I'm with you. I didn't like. I'm not interested in. I'm interested in the Red Angel mystery, but that is not yeah. something they did this week. Mm-hmm. Um, this was more about Michael and Spock, which I just don't care about. Uh, yeah. And it started like right away with the Burnham's personal log where it's her personal log and she's talking about uh she talks in a way like nobody talks. Like it's for people <laughs> who haven't been watching up to this point or they haven't mm-hmm. been able to follow along. She's like, I'm not sure if I can repair my relationship with my brother, Spock. Yeah. Uh, Michael Exposition Burnham. Yeah. Right. I did right. not yeah. I did not like that. I don't care about this story. And I love Sinequa Martin Green. And she's yeah. good in these episodes, but this, you know, will they have a relationship or won't they is something, number one, I don't care about. Uh, but number two, the answer is no, of course not, because Spock never mentions her again to anyone. And, uh, and, he uh, mentions Cybok before he mentions Michael Burnham. Yes, yes. And uh, going back to you know, the story that really caught my attention the 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 scenes where Michael was like interesting to me mm-hmm. were the scenes where she was talking to Tilly. Yeah, because yeah. they're great together. Yeah. They were great. He, she was like, "You're awesome," and then you know they discovered this whole sport thing, and she's the one that comes up with it. And I was like, "Okay, I like this. This mm-hmm. I like." Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, they they did make some changes to the Kling- some of the Klingon stuff felt more Klingoni, like when they're talking about uh, honor and the. Mm-hmm. palace intrigue stuff, which we've seen a lot on TNG, but I still can't, I mean, even though they've made some aesthetic changes to them, they still look weird to me. And <laughs> I know people are like the Vulcan or the Klingons, or I, I could have been any species. In this case, the Klingons, I know people are like, look, they shouldn't be a monoculture. It's okay that there can be a bunch of Klingons that mm-hmm. all live on the same planet, and some look like the TNG Klingons, and some look like the Augment Virus Klingons, and I, I agree with that, but they never show any of those other ones. It's always like, mm-hmm. no, they're still a monoculture, and now they look like this. They used to look like this, but we've changed their makeup. Uh, they just look, these ones just look weird to me. It doesn't, the, the hair on some of them worked. Like the leader of House Core, the old man, right. like it looked okay on him. Yeah, he, he looked good. Yeah. Lorel kind of looked okay-ish, but her face is purple. There's one dude who just had a big elongated alien head and had like a little bun on top. Yeah. Weird. 
it was all weird. Um, to me, the highlights of this episode were Tilly and seeing uh, Giorgio show up. Uh, yes, she looked amazing. Yeah, that was kind of it uh, for me. I don't know. Ben, have you have you settled on, now that you know that Aurora <laughs> and I are have settled firmly on, eh? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's kind of where I was. Um, so... Right here, I'll, I'll give you the notes I wrote when I watched it because at the time I was trying to piece stuff together. So, um, logic extremist. First of all, uh, I quite enjoyed the notion of that. Um, I have noticed it's caused a bit of excitement online. It's people pointing at um, something that the show and Doctor Who have both got in common. Actually, is people are suggesting there's kind of virtue signaling going on and and becoming political. And as we've said on Who Made Who, and I, we must have said on this show before now, mm-hmm. you know, science fiction contains politics writ large. So suck it up. Um, <laughs> I, I just like the idea of the logic extremists, and actually, it's not alien to the Star Trek universe. We have mm-hmm. heard of uh, of logic extremists before, but it's really triggered some gammon out there yeah um so uh the the whole soap opera story so laurel uh klingon fandango mystery baby um i think i i, I don't <laughs> it feels really clumsy how can you have a show this early yes. on where they went oh yeah there was a baby um yeah. Oh yeah, and she wasn't pregnant. It was it was um, it was test tube baby, and uh, oh no one knew about it. And then then all of a sudden she did know about it, but only started to care about it after Klingon Fandango started to care about it. Up until mm-hmm. then she knew, but then didn't care. I mean, it was all it was all just a bit soap opera, which was a concern we had when. Uh, but before Discovery started, we started looking at um, who was involved in the creative process and. What's weird about this episode from that point of view is that the creative process for this episode, the only person who has a kind of soap opera background really is um, the uh, the story editor, um, Sean Cochran. Mm-hmm. So um, this isn't one of the episodes that's written by one of the people that a lot of us sort of cringe when we thought, oh, no, they're involved. Um, so I don't really understand that. The weird acceptance, even though I know the whole point is they don't accept um, uh, Tyler, I must stop calling mm-hmm. him Klingon Fandango, uh, even <laughs> though they don't accept him, they accept him far more readily than I'd have thought the Klingons would, so the House of Core... They um, just completely adopted him for the most part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of chill up until the point when they weren't, it's a bit weird. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Then we get to the, the motherhood metaphor that ran through this episode, again playing into the hands of the gamut, I'm afraid, and I'm not saying that science fiction or any TV show or any conversation should ever deliberately avoid triggering those people, but eh, be aware that they're yeah. there. So here the mother, motherhood metaphor runs through Laurel, through Georgiou, uh, and through Amanda. Amanda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can see what the point of it is. I, I mean, the, the, the exchange between Laurel and Giorgio with two really good actresses is hampered horrendously by Laurel's um, uh, kind of unwieldy uh, prosthetics. and Yeah, the Klingons uh, still sound... Some of them sound yeah. a little better, but some of them sounded still just as, like, mumble Yeah, like as they're struggle, I, struggling through the prosthetics, yeah. I, I remember when I was, I guess, maybe five or six um, in the kitchen in my grandmother's house there was like a little funnel and I used to think it was hilarious to walk around speaking through this funnel and evidently <laughs> that is how Laurel is living her best life yeah um so it's weird because we know that 
those two actresses are bloody brilliant. Yeah. And so watching them have a scene that ought to have had either poignancy or comedy in it and seeing neither materialise because of these obstructions was 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 disappointing to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the same way that Amanda... Um, I'll say this, Amanda's portrayal in this is consistent with the kind of mixed impression you get of her over the history of uh, of Star, Star Trek, Trek because mm-hmm. yeah I mean we I think lots of people have wanted her to suddenly become this powerful figure um but here she's very much squarely back as diplomat's wife she's doing something naughty right now but that's only because her status didn't allow her to do it in any other way mm-hmm. um and you know she uh, her anger at, um at Michael is is it feels kind of lukewarm it's kind of flaccid rage i don't know it's i i I think the thing is if you're going to do the motherhood metaphor like do it better i guess is all i'd say you know (laughs) and and i think coming from the world of sci-fi and fantasy and so on when you have i guess one of the best kind of modern tv show writers and now movie writers of course um in that with that ability to write female characters with a punch is joss whedon and Mm -hmm. all i felt when listening to this dialogue was like oh wow you you you're kind of aiming for the Whedon dialogue and it's just not working. And I, I, yeah. I thought that was sad. I mean, they tried to, it almost felt like a nod to the, um, the line in Voyager where the Borg queen gives seven, her long speech about why the Borg are awesome. And mm-hmm. seven's response is, um, next time you should try that instead of resistance is futile. You may get volunteers. Um, <laughs> that, still one of my favorite lines ever. Uh, but that, that exchange between Laurel and Georgia with the, the whole kind of, you know, having kids gets in the way thing uh, that could have been that sort of line. What a pitch. It, yeah. Yeah. That was just mm-hmm. no spark. Um, question i have is at the end where she says that she wants to be known as mother which was supposed to be this culmination of the motherhood metaphor as you know she's the fierce um uh, matriarch of the klingon universe i just don't know whether they were cheers or boos now i listen to (laughs) our house of commons um and I'm never sure when I hear them either. I mean, the only clarity you hear out of House of Commons audio is uh, order, yes. um, which I'm sure even you guys have heard by now. I um, have, yes. Oh, yeah. He's so good, isn't he? Um, but I, I'm not sure whether the Klingons were buying what she was selling there. I mean, well, I'm I guess mean, I was were. going in my living room, if that counts. I think you were they... booing. <laughs> I think yeah. they're supposed to I be. Heard. I think they're supposed to be buying into it. I think is the idea. I, I yeah. think so. Yeah. Which then just slightly smacks of bad sound design. But eh. yeah. um, okay. did Ash really join Section Thirty One? I couldn't figure out that bit of dialogue. Not... I, yeah. So the I, I went I... back and listened again, and yeah, it's not clear whether he's saying he belongs in the darker world of Section Thirty One, yeah. or whether he's saying he belongs with. With Discovery and with mm-hmm. Burnham, I think it's the latter, but I'm guessing that that will come at a price, and it's the sort of price that only Section Thirty One can put on things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is one scene in particular that really boggled me, uh, and maybe mm-hmm. maybe it was because I was so disinterested that maybe I I'm lacking context or something. But it was this long uh, talking bit between Amanda and Michael about yeah. Spock, and. Yep. Michael gives this passionate retort about how at the end, her summation of all of this is we're going to, you know, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to save him. And then instead of Amanda, Michael's essentially mother saying like, you know, super, she's like, no, 
I'm mm-hmm. gonna save him. And then she just turns around and yeah. walks out. And I Michael and Michael has this look on her face like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what think, was wait, that wait, scene? Wait, yeah, about yeah, yeah. What, what, I'm trying to figure out let what me, that let, was. Let me tell you this. Uh, okay. One thing that's bothering me in this season, I, and you know, the last two episodes we've discussed it, I love them. Okay? Mm, me too, yeah. yeah. But I don't know what the purpose is of bringing Spock into this because no, I I think that you know Michael Burnham was already an interesting character to me yeah. and I wanted to you know know about more about her and now we're making her story more about Spock than her. Yes. And it's it's annoying because you know yes we know that she's a Spock's sister um that's fine that's one part of who she is but she was mm-hmm. already interesting with everything else. Yeah. I so I, I I don't understand why they're doing this. It feels like it's probably just a a grasp at trying to get more star trek fans to tune in mm-hmm. they hear the nostalgia button words enterprise spock but but then you've got the kind of you know backdoor wallace test factor here and i mm-hmm. i agree with you aurora i think the, the problem is that and, and i haven't tried to run the test here but i'm i guess somebody out there will have done i i think that's true i think burnham is a, a strong, interesting character yeah. with some depth. They could have easily, um, you know, there's no need for retcon here. Pike, we know he had a career before uh, the Enterprise, and okay, mm-hmm. here we know that the Enterprise is currently out of commission. So, you know, we don't. I don't think we need this Spock storyline. Um, now, don't get me wrong. When Spock finally appears um, as an adult, anyway, and we get into this murder mystery story or whatever else. I may start to warm to this, but at the minute, I, yeah, I just don't yeah. understand why they've taken the concept that that was the pitch of Discovery, which is we're not following a captain, we're following a you know slightly disgraced uh, bridge officer, right. and we're seeing things from her perspective. Well, yeah. really, are we, or are we just you know running a B reel of 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 you know of what was happening during the original, just before the original series? Mm-hmm. I, I just. I don't understand the need to push Pike and Spark yeah. um, to to the front and centre. And yeah. if you wanted to, to to balance it up so it didn't seem too preachy on 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 from from that test point of view, then do you know what? Do it. Um, Anthony Rapp in this episode, his scene with um, Tilly, brief as it was, and frustrating as hell as <laughs> as the plot was, because yeah. yeah, I mean Star Trek even. Enterprise era Star Trek. Hang on a minute. One of our crew has got infected with a kind of parasite thing and it's trying to communicate. And that crew member, the, the member of the Discovery, the member of the research vessel, right. isn't interested in knowing what this thing wants because yeah. it clearly says it wants something. Mm-hmm. And the first response on the bridge was laughable. The whole kind of... Um, Oh right, she's gone mad. Oh no, she hasn't. Well, we'll just stand here and stare at her for a while. Let's <laughs> let's do that for a bit. Sure. And then when they finally go, oh, that's what's wrong with you. No one gives a crap. And mm-hmm. yet, still, despite that, I mean, Tilly is not my favorite character, and I know that she is a lot of people's favorite character. Mm-hmm. But um, the uh, performance between her and Anthony Rapp in that scene, even though it was dross as content, just shows me that there are more interesting people on this ship. Yep. than need to be exploited uh, need to be ex- explored um, in the existing universe that we already know about don't throw mm. it away but don't right. it's a soap opera and I, I this is where it grinds my gears Star Trek 
isn't Star Wars. Star Wars mm -hmm. is the biggest soap opera of all time, um, and it and it revels in it in in a in a really glorious way. Star Trek has had moments of soap opera, but it's done it in in kind of B plot um, yep. arcs about developments right, between. Right whoever here this is like slamming this to the front and center it yep. could just be a pacing problem it could just be that we need to build up to spot being there so spock doesn't feel like he's shoehorned in but at the moment i'm just feeling i'm feeling irritated by no, the, this episode mm -hmm. the funny thing is spock would have never never have felt shoehorned in i mean unless you felt like the enterprise felt like it was shoehorned in because mm. naturally spock would be on the ship that's his ship that he is always on so mm -hmm. if if you were okay with that showing up at the end of season one and you're like, sweet, let's go, Spock could have been here from episode one. I mean, clearly they didn't want to do that. They, mm -hmm. They're they telling some sort of story here, but the, the build-up to the here's Spock moment is pretty underwhelming right now. So yeah. Uh, it's so weird that and they... I, I was excited about Spock being in it as well. This is what this is what I'm saying is that it's not yeah it's not the pro, the, the fact of Spock. Um, it's the getting it's... there. That's how they're yeah. doing. Yeah. It. yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, it's so weird. I uh, Ben, you and I really liked the the first episode. Aurora and I really liked the the second episode. It's such a weird drop off. Like yeah. it felt like it just took a huge drop off from the second mm -hmm. episode. Uh, Man, and, I don't and know. it felt like like we were talking before. It was just an exposition episode. That was mm. it. That was a lot of it. Yeah, a, a filler yeah. episode in some ways, but yeah, something I'd like to be excited about. And I know we don't get to it. Well, if if the leaked photographs and everything from supposedly attributed to future episodes are correct, mm. um, spoilers here uh, only for about a minute. Um, episode five is when we start seeing serious interaction between section 31 and uh the discovery and that's mm. uh, an episode called saints of imperfection yeah. um and i i mean putting aside the trope of you know the black leather cat suit for a minute um that's when i'm i'm beginning to feel excited about george i i, I got the tingle when mm -hmm. george <laughs> appeared i yeah. i found the dialogue in places ghastly but then that's because she's got context we haven't i'm I'm prepared mm -hmm. to accept that as an artistic choice at that stage um and i i gather that there is a, a rumor circulating that adult spock doesn't get any kind of full scenes until yeah. either episode six or seven which now might, yes. seven would be after the break as well i believe they're gonna take yeah. a break after episode well, six so Exactly, and, and there's very little detail about those two episodes. We know that, like for example, we know episode eight is called "If Memory Serves." We know that number five, I think, is called "Saints of Imperfection." Um, you know, and those two are deliberately left out of all the leaks. So I'm guessing, you know, there's a lot of shit going to happen there. Um, but I, I just don't want to spend the next two episodes. I, I don't want Noble for Sharon to be. A, a, you know, more soap opera, Saints of Imperfection. Focus on Section Thirty One. Tell us more about that. Mm -hmm. I, I'm I'm just really anxious that because I want this show to succeed in a big yeah. way, and they're not making it easy for evangelists of Discovery at the start. I mean, they did for the first two episodes, and then yep. this just feels like massive backpedaling or, or no regression, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think all the Klingon stuff it just made it feel a lot like last season. Which, yeah. by the end of last season, we were all pretty the happy with felt the show. Less, less... They felt. Did you better. not find that? Did you not find that the Klingons and Connors all felt kind of less real in this episode as yeah. well? It all felt, you know, yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. I think and that I, might. I also be the... feel that that you know this show. There are a lot of people that this is their first Star Trek, mm-hmm. and you know, being introduced to the Klingons with this, it's oh, good point. Yeah, it's yeah. weird, right? Like I can see someone that's never seen Star Trek watching this and being more bored bored than us <laughs> watching the Klingon story because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, at least with us, when they make like a reference to to Borath or to you know, whatever, house core or something like, yeah. there's at least parts of us where we're like, well, we, know we, we know what they're right. talking about. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. So I'll, I'll give everybody a chance to ponder their score uh, okay. for this all important episode of Star Trek Discovery. And while you're doing that, I'm going to thank the good people of Adam Tickets for sponsoring the show. So cinemageekly.com slash Adam Tickets or click the Adam Tickets link at the top of the page to pick yourself up some movie tickets or a gift card for the movie fan in your life. Ben, I hope that was enough time for you to think of a score <laughs> for episode was, three of Discovery. So what do you give Point of Light? With a heavy heart and um, having moved from not being sure whether it was a cheer or a boo in my own head, uh, <laughs> I the, my, my dead school friend who keeps appearing to me keeps shouting, give it a two and a half, even though it seems brutal. And I'm going to go with that because mm. there's just too much wrong with this. Mm-hmm. Aurora. I'm going to give it a three. Okay. Mainly because what's keeping the score a little bit higher than Ben's is that I really liked the Tilly story, mm-hmm. uh, even though it was re- a little bit campy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, I always like Giorgio when she appears. Yes. She looks amazing. <laughs> yes. Ben, <laughs> have you read the books yet? Have you, have you started reading those yet? Aurora? No, no. If you like Georgiou, that's they got definite some, okay. Yeah, they got some stuff in there. They got more, right. more deep Georgie. dives. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, how, Ben, I was so rooting for you to say <laughs> two and three quarters. But you didn't. I very nearly did. But it, as I say, it was the ghost of my dead school friend that made me say two yes. and a half. <laughs> but because my initial you, thing was going to be two and three But quarters. because you didn't, I landed dead center in between both of you. I gave it two and three quarters. Um <laughs> uh, it's a, a, a pretty big letdown of an episode, yeah. all things considered. Uh, I mean, I didn't know exactly what to expect. I wasn't positive if they were going to do a, let's go to a new symbol uh, a si- or a new signal each week, uh, only to find another clue. I, I wasn't sure if they're going to be able to do that every single episode. Uh, clearly they didn't, but what they put in its place was, you know, just a lot of exposition-y and Let's catch mm-hmm. up with the Klingons, and here's a couple of other characters we haven't shown you yet from last season, and here's what they're up to. Yeah, it was kind of just there. Some of it was okay. A lot of it was kind of confusing. Quite a bit was boring. Yep. <sighs> Not what I was hoping for. Uh, ben, are you all caught up on Orville before we go? Or are you still behind uh, quite a bit? I think I'm one episode behind. Have you seen... Um... So have you not seen the episode where uh, the doctor starts dating Isaac? I think that's the latest episode. I have episode. not seen that, no. If you've not seen yet. the next-gen episode where Data tries dating a woman, um, it's essentially that, but, I mean, Orville always does their twist on those stories. Yeah. Um, I feel like they've been pretty much a hit on all of their episodes this season. Hey, they are on point this season. Absolutely. It's Yeah, they've they've... Removed a huge chunk of the humor, and it's mostly just uh, 
a Star Trek-esque show for the most part, and it's yeah. been really good. So if people aren't watching it, uh, and especially, look, especially if you're like, look, I, Discovery is my show. I'm not going to watch another Star Trek-type show. If you didn't like the episode of Discovery this week, go watch Orville instead, and you'll get a good star trekky fix it's what it's there for it is what it's there for um okay so ben one point of contention before we go i noticed you Mm -hmm. mentioned the name of next week's episode Mm. and there is some confusion here because that is the name of one of god what is it jupiter's moons maybe yes and it is pronounced sharon even though it is spelt with a ch it is but it's a weird name for a moon yes uh, but Obel, have you ever have you met that other that other moon from, uh, from Neptune, Debbie? <laughs> oh I mean, she's no better than she ought to be. I'll tell you. But anyway, I'm not one for Debbie. Debbie's an asshole. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so Obel is uh, a piece of Greek currency, which got me looking up the C H A R O N from Greek mythology is actually pronounced Karen. And not oh, Sharon. Okay, maybe that there's makes some more sense. maybe there's some sort of feud going on here between uh, Karen and Sharon. But Karen is the ferryman <laughs> of Hades who carries souls of the newly deceased across the river Styx. Oh wow! Okay. So yeah, and we have a big name guest star in this episode as well. Mm. As well, number number as number one number one's in the episode next week, right? Um. Oh, actually, of course. Yes, yeah, she's not a guest star. She's. Actually, coming into it, isn't she? Part of the cast, yeah, I guess. Uh, Rebecca Romaine. Yeah, Romaine. Yeah. I can never be quite sure how you pronounce her surname. Yeah, this is this is her. She's not part um, of the main cast, but she is listed. Um, she's actually listed below Tignataro, which is being cat- listed mm. as recurring. Um, she's in there with notable guests like Sarek, Amanda, Spock, Laurel, mm. Number One, and Giorgio. So. Those are in the and, uh, guest starring department. I wanted to bring some of the humor from like NTSF SUV. I, okay, so <laughs> I'm aware of this show. How did you just pronounce that, Ben? I've never been able to do this. Can you, uh, I, can... Well, I, I'm impressed I did it once. You want me to do it again? <laughs> yeah. NTSF SUV. Okay, yeah that that mm-hmm. show. Uh, if you've never seen that, you sh- you should see it. I, I've, I've it's actually very not very seen silly, it, but I've heard I think of what's it. Weird about it. What's strange is you watch it. I mean, don't look it up on IMDb because the fun bit now, I think, would be going back and watching it and seeing all the people who were in that when they were pretty much unknown or yeah. like you know pretty low well, down the credit list of stuff, well, and seeing what they're doing now. Mm-hmm. That show launched a few people. Well, Ben, we're in no danger of me looking that up on IMDb right now because that would require me remembering what all of the letters are to look it up for. So, uh, Aurora and... knows, don't you? Aurora, are you aware of the show with all of the letters of the alphabet in it? Yes. Okay. Yes. How, how, how do you? What, what's it called again? <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not going to even attempt. Ben is the only one. Who's <laughs> the SUV. I don't like, think it's even been broadcast. Something SUV. Okay. <laughs> SUV. NSFW. Uh, something. Oh LOL. I just call it that Paul Shears show. That's, that's what I. That's <laughs> the Paul Shears show. NSFW. LOL. <laughs> I think is what it is. Rufflecopter. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Rufflecopter. Uh, okay, so uh, I, I, you know what? That's I think that's it for this week's episode. The uh, the air supply is running low on the bridge, and I think we are that's all becoming slightly delirious. Uh, so, uh, oh, by the way, just before we yes. go, I, 
I've had a baby. Oh, have Not you? Really. I decided. I decided to see how it worked. It worked all right for her. Never mind. Carry on. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, Congrats. Congrats. <laughs> Don't uh, worry, no one will ever say it again. All right, so uh, that's it. That's it for this week's episode. Head on over to cinemageekly.com to check out the archives of the show. And of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. Just search for "I'm a Doctor, Not a Podcast." Uh, that way, you can uh, you can subscribe and check us out next week when we talk about Star Trek Discovery season two, episode four. Remember to tip your Greek drivers, everybody, because it's an oval. For Karen, or Karen, or Sharon, or Sharon and Don't Debbie, about Debbie. The, Sharon, mm. <laughs> the Sharon and Debbie show. 